From coast to coast and worldwide on the internet via satellite, this is Luke 418 Radio Network. To Luke 418 Radio Talk Show, the leading cutting edge of Christian radio. Exposing the works of darkness and declaring a life of righteousness. Your host, Pastor Bill and Valerie French. Welcome, listeners all around the world, to Luke 418 Radio. This is your host, Pastor Valerie French, on the front lines. I'm in the trenches against the enemy, fighting for your souls. The warfare is intense. But we have the victory in Christ Jesus. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I will continue a special presentation of the beautiful book which I am going to be reciting called My Dream of Heaven by Rebecca Springer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being with us today. I pray for a blessing upon the listeners in the reciting of this book. I pray that they will be blessed to hear the words of heaven, Father God, and a place far greater than the world that they're on, Father, with all the torment and all the evil and all the horrible things that go on down here, just listening to a place that is so wonderful and refreshing and full of love, and God's love is an amazing thing. So I just want to go on with the book, Father God, and bless the listeners as they hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 15 The current of my life flowed in the heavenly ways until the months began to lengthen into years and my daily studies ascended higher in the scale of celestial mysteries. I never wearied of study, though much was taught and gained through a medium of observation in the journeys that I was permitted to take with my brother into a different parts of the heavenly kingdom. I never lacked for time for social pleasures and enjoyments. For there is no clashing of duties with inclination, no unfulfilled desires, no vain strivings for the unattainable in that life as in the life of earth. Many precious hours of discourse were spent in my dear father's home, and sometimes on rare occasions I was permitted to accompany him to his field of labor and assist him in instructing those lately come into the new life with little or no preparation for its duties and responsibilities. On one occasion he said to me, I have the most difficult problem to deal with I have ever yet met in this work. It is how to enlighten and help a man who suddenly plunged from an apparently honorable life into the very depths of crime. I have never been able to get him to accompany me to the river where their earthly cobwebs would be swept from their poor brain, his excuse being always that God's mercy is so great in allowing him inside heaven's gates at all, and that he is content to remain always in its lowest scale of enjoyment and life. No argument or teaching thus far can make him alter his decision. He was led astray by infatuation for a strange woman and killed his aged mother in order to secure her jewels for this wretched creature. He was executed for the crime, of which in the end he sincerely repented, but he left life with all the horror of the deed clinging to his soul. Has he seen his mother since coming here? Does she know of his arrival? No, 
She is entirely alone in this world, and it was not thought wise to tell her of his coming till his soul was in a better condition to receive her. He was an only child and does not lack the elements of refinement, but he was completely under the control of this vile, though fascinating woman. It is said she drugged his wine and enticed him to do the dreadful deed while under the influence because of her hatred for his mother, whose influence was against her. When he came from under the influence of the wine, he was horrified at what he had done and in his infatuation for the woman turned to loathing. But alas, too late, he would not see her during his entire incarceration. How long was his prison? Almost a year. Has he seen the Christ? No, he begs not to see him. He is very repentant and grateful to be saved from the wrath he feels was his just punishment. But though he is conscious that his sin is forgiven, he does not yet feel that he can even stand in the presence of the Holy One. And here, as upon earth, each must be willing to receive him. His presence is never given undesired. I have not yet appealed for higher help. My ambition is is to lead these weak souls upward through the strength entrusted to me. Can you suggest anything that would properly reach him? His mother, may I bring her? He thought a moment reflectively, then said, A woman's intuition, yes, bring her. I soon was on my way. I found the poor woman, laid the facts gently before her, and waiting her decision. There was no hesitancy upon her part. In an instant she said, My poor boy, certainly I will go with you at once. We found my father waiting for us and went immediately to the great home where these students were, we call them, stayed. It was a beautiful great building in the midst of the park with shaded walks and fountains and flowers everywhere. To one just freed from earth it seemed to a paradise indeed, but to those of us who had tasted heavenly's rarer joys something is wanting. We missed the lovely individual homes, the little children playing on the lawns, the music of the angel choir. It was tame indeed besides the pleasure we had tasted. We found the young man seated beneath one of the flower-laden trees, intently pursuing a book that my father had left with him. There was a peaceful look on his pale face, but it was rather the look of patient resignation than an adorant joy. His mother approached him alone. My father and I remained in the background. After a little time, he glanced up and saw his mother standing near him. A startled look came into his face, and he rose to his feet. She intended her arms toward him and cried out pathetically, John, my dear boy, come home to me. I need you. That was all. With a low cry, he knelt at her feet and clasped her knees, sobbing, Mother, Mother. She stopped and put her tender arms about him. She drew his head gently to her breast and showered kisses on his bowed head. Oh, the warm mother's love, the same in earth and heaven. Only the Christ's love can exceed it. Here was the outraged mother sent into eternity by the hands of him who should have shielded and sustained her, bended above her repentant son, with the mother love with which her heart was overflowing shined upon him from her gentle eyes. I saw my father turn his head to conceal his emotion, and I knew that my son's eyes were wet. My father had explained to the mother that the first thing to be accomplished was to get her son to the river, so we now heard her say caressingly, 
Come, John, my boy, take the first step upward for your mother's sake, that in time I may have the joy of seeing you in our own home. Come, John, with mother. She gently drew him, and to our great joy we saw him rise and go with her, and their steps led them to the river. They walked hand in hand, and as far as we could see them, she seemed to be soothing and comforting him. Thank God, said my father fervently. There will be no further trouble now. When they return, he will see with clear vision, and so it proved. After this, by divine permission, I became much of the time a co-laborer with my father, and thus enjoyed his society and his instructions much oftener than otherwise I could have done. Chapter 16 One day, some three years counted by the calendar of earth, after I had entered upon the joys and duties of the heavenly life, I sat resting upon the upper veranda of our home, after a somewhat arduous journey to a distant city of the heavenly realm. From this part of the veranda we caught rare glimpses of the river through the overhanging branches of the trees, and just below us, at little distance we could see the happy children and their play upon the lawn. Here my brother sought me out, and throwing himself upon a soft veranda lounge near, lay for a time motionless and silent. He looked as wearied as one can ever look in that life, but I felt no anxiety about him, for I knew the rest was sure. He had been absent on some earth mission much of the time for many days, and I knew from experience that some of the fatigue and care of the earth will cling to us on such occasions, till we are restored by heavenly's balmy air and life-giving waters. He had not told me, as he sometimes did, where his mission had led him, and I had not asked him, feeling sure that all it was best I should know would be imparted. My own duties of late had been unusually responsible, leading me daily to a distant part of the heavenly kingdom, hence I myself had not visited the beloved of earth for a much longer period than usually classed between my visits. When at last all the dear ones had seemed in such vigorous health, and were so surrounded by earthly blessings that I had ceased to feel they needed my ministrations, as in the early days of their sorrow, hence I had thrown all of my energies into the work assigned me by the Master. At length, after a time of rest, my brother arose to a sitting posture and regarded me for a moment in silence, said gently, I have news for you, little sister. A thrill like an electric shock passed through me, and in an instant I cried out joyously, He's coming! He nodded his head with a sympathetic smile, but did not at once reply. When will it be? Am I to go to him? I asked. He hesitated an instant before saying, Of course you are permitted to go, if your heart will not de be denied. Oh, I must go to him. I must be first to greet him. Perhaps it may be granted him to see me even while he is yet in the flesh. He shook his head sadly at this and said, No, dear, he will not know you. Why, Frank, tell me all, why you think, as I plainly see you do, that it is not best that I should go. He was stricken suddenly in the midst of his work, while apparently in perfect health, and has not regained consciousness since, nor will he ever on earth, hence your presence could be no solace to him. When was this? Three days ago. I have been with him almost constantly by day and night ever since. Oh, why did you not sooner tell me? It was thought wise to spare you the unnecessary pain of seeing him suffer when you could not minister to him. 
and I have come to tell you now that you may go if you still so desire. He will know me as soon as the struggle is past. Yes, but he will be bewildered and weak. He will need stronger help and guidance than you alone can give, and you will miss the rapture of the meeting as it would be a little later on. What would you have me do? You know I will yield to your wiser judgment even against the pleadings of my heart, but I can wait. I will not say, do not go. You should accompany me if you wish. I only think after the first bewilderment of the change has passed, after he has bathed in the waters of the river of life, he will be better prepared for the delighted reunion which awaits him. You remember what the waters did for you and how bewildered and oppressed in spirit you were till you went with me that morning into the river. It is the same with all of us, only where there has been serious trouble with the brain at last. It is even more needed than on ordinary occasions. That is the case with my brother. He will not be fully himself until the magical waters have swept the clouds from his brain. You are always right, my brother, and I will yield to your advice. Although my heart cries out to hasten to once to his side, when will you return to him? Immediately. There will be little time to wait. With the quickening of the morning light, we will be here. My braved heart, wise little sister, the, the delay will be to you neither sorrowful nor long. He arose and bending over me, dropped a kiss lightly on my brow, and in a moment he had passed from my sight. How strange I thought that even in this matter, so dear to my heart, I am able to yield unmurmuringly. Father, I thank thee. I thank thee for the glad reunion so dear at hand, but even more than that, for the sweet submission to all things that has grown into my life, that I can yield to thy will, even when thou wouldest permit it to be otherwise. I bowed my head upon my hand and gave myself up to mingled sad and happy thoughts. Was he, this dearly loved one, indeed insensible to his suffering? Would the Father mercifully spare him even the pang of the parting? Oh, that the morning were here! How could I wait even that brief while for the sight of the beloved faith? Suddenly a soft touch rested upon my bowed head, and a voice I had learned to recognize the love beyond all things in earth or heaven said, Have I not said truly, Though he were dead, yet he shall live again? What are now the years of separation since the meeting again is at hand? Come, and let us reason a little together, the master said, smiling down into my uplifted face. He took my extended hand into his own, and sitting down beside me, continued, Let us consider what these years have done for you. Do you not feel that you are infinitely better prepared to confer happiness than when you parted from him you love? I nodded in glad affirmation. Do you not realize that you stand on a higher plane with more exalted ideas of life and its duties and that in the strength of the Father you two henceforth with will walk upward together? Again I gladly equestered. Is the home life here less attractive than it was in the earth life? No, no, a thousand times no, I cried. Then there is nothing but joy in the reunion at hand. Nothing but joy, I echoed. Then the Savior led me on to talk of the one so soon to come, and I opened my heart to him and told him of the noble life and unselfish toil and high aspirations, the unfaltering trust of him I loved. I spoke of his fortitude in misfortune, his courage in the face of sore trial and disappointment, his forgiveness of giving malicious inquiry, 
and concluded by saying, He lived the Christianity many others professed. He always distanced me from that. The face of the Master glowed in sympathy, and I talked. And when I ceased, he said, I perceive that you have discovered the secret which makes marriage eternal as the years of heaven. Oh, I said, to me, marriage must be eternal. How could it be otherwise than two grow together and become what's one? Death cannot separate them without destroying. They are no longer two perfect beings, but one in soul and spirit forever. Ah, he said, but having the marriage right pronounced does not produce this change. It is the divinity of soul wedded to soul alone that can do it. So he led me on until my soul flew upward as a lark in the early morning. He unfolded to me mysteries of the soul life that filled my heart with rapture, but which I may not here reveal. At length, to my infinite surprise, I saw the rosy glow deepening across the sky and knew that morning, lovely morning, had dawned for me in heaven. The master arose, pointing to the radiance, said, By the time thou art ready to receive them, they will be here. And with a smile and a touch he made the benediction, he departed. As I rose and stood with face uplifted to the coming day, I caught in the dear distance the triumphant notes of the angel's chorale song, and this morning, as though in sympathy with my thought, they sang, He is risen, hear it, ye heavens and ye sons of earth, he is risen. He has become the first fruits of them that slipped. I lift my voice with joy and join their thrilling song, and as they swept onward and the cannons died away, I slowly descended the stairway, crossed the lawn whose flowers never crushed or withered beneath our feet, and sank for a moment beneath the pure waters of the river. I felt no haste, no unwanted excitement, nor unrest. Although I knew that he was coming for whom my soul had waited all these years, the Master's presence had filled me with calm and peace, and nothing had power to disturb, and prepared and fitted me for the great happiness lying just before me. Uplifted with a new strange delight, I recrossed the lawn, stopped upon the veranda before entering the house, to gather a knot of cream-white roses and fasten them to my breast. Then going to the library, I refilled the golden bowl with the spicy-breathed scarlet carnations, lying one aside to fasten upon my husband's shoulder. I wanted to myself gather the flowers that would greet him on his coming. I twisted up my hair in the manner that he had most admired and fastened a creamy bud with the folds, that I might seem to him as I did of old. Soon thereafter I heard voices and steps. Listen, yes, that is the same dear step for which I had often listened in the old home life. The step had always brought gladness to my heart and sunshine to our home. His step in heaven. I flew to open the doorway and in an instant was held close in a strong arms to the loving, throbbing heart of my dear husband. Was there anything more for me than heaven could give? My brother, with thoughtful care, passed onward to the upper rooms of the house, and for a while we were alone together. We whose lives run so happily mingled through the long years of our motor life. I drew him within the house, and in the vestibule again he took me in his arms and drew me to his heart. This is heaven indeed, he said. We passed into the flower room, and on its threshold he stood a moment, entranced with its beauty. 
but when I would have related to him its history as my brother had given it to me, he said, Not today, my dear. I have only eyes and ears for you today, and all else heaven must wave. So we sat and talked together in the, in the olden days, and the happy hours came and went, and the day melted into the twilight glow before we realized it was half spent. Our brother Frank had come to us upon the noontide, and together had gone over the lovely house, had stood upon the broad verandas and eaten of the heavenly fruit. Then we all sat together where I had spent the hours waiting in the presence of the blessed Master, and I told them much that he had said to me, and how he turned the, into triumph rejoicing the hours which I had anticipated would pass in lovely waiting. The eyes of my dear husband were tear-filled, and he pressed my hand, which he still kept in his, and in tender sympathy. Oh, darling, it is a blessed, blessed life, I said. I already realized the blessedness, he replied, for has it not given me back my brother and my wife, my precious wife? Early the following morning, I said to my husband and our brother, we must go to Father and Mother Sprague's today. They have the first claim after ours, Frank. Yes, we will go at once, they both replied. So together we started. In the earliest days of my heavenly life, I sought out with much joy the home of my husband's parents and was by them accorded as the earth life a warm place in their hearts and many happy hours we had spent together since. Now we were taking to them a favorite son, and I realized how his coming would bring gladness to their hearts and home. It was a joyful meeting, especially to our mother, and the day was far spent before we arose to return. William, said our mother, fondly lying her hand upon his arm, yours as happy home as on earth. I used to think a perfect home. It will be far happier here, with a loving glance at me. I am sure at that, mother, I have my dear wife and Frank constantly with me, and you and my father and Josephine, a favorite niece, to come here, and after a while... With a little hesitation, the holier joys and privileges of heaven. We turned to go, and upon the threshold met an aunt who, in the earth life, blind and helpless, had been a favorite with us all. My dear children, she exclaimed, how good it is to see you all again. Aunt Cynthia, my husband said fondly. Yes, Aunt Cynthia, but no longer groping hopeless in the darkness. Whereas I once was blind, now I see. She quoted, smiling happily. And so it was, the Master's touch had rested on the sightless eyes and closing to the darkness of the earth. They had opened upon the glories of heaven, marvelous transition. No wonder we left her singing. Glory to him who is this marvel hath wrought, filled my spirit with joy and delight. Lo, in my blindness I safely have walked out of darkness into the light. Chapter 17 Days lengthened into weeks, and weeks into months, and these in turn crept onward into years, and the duties and joys of heaven grew clearer and dearer with each passing hour. Our home life was perfect, though we looked forward with joy to the future coming of our son and daughter to make the ties complete. We had often spoken of going together to the great celestial sea, but the time had never seemed quite right for so doing. We realized it was one of the greatest mysteries of heaven, although we knew not just what to expect, since there is no one ever seeks to forestall sight by description. One evening I said to my brother, I have a strange desire to go to the sea, if you think it wise that we should do so. 
I am glad that it is your desire to go. It is mine to have you. I was about to propose that you and my brother should take together this blessed journey with me. Will you not accompany us? Not at this time. We will not take it again together, but it is best now that you two should go alone. You know the way, through the forest that leads to the temple, till almost there, then bear to the right and follow the golden path that takes you direct to the shore. So in the quivering light of the glorious morning, we started full of holy joy to, that together we might take this special journey. We entered and traversed the great forest, where the golden light fell through the quivering branches overhead, and birds of glorious plumage and thrilling song were darting everywhere. We heard nearer and even nearer the regular dashing of the waves against the shore, and now there came to a burst of triumphant song and harmony of many instruments of music. At length we emerged from the forest and stood mute and motionless before the overwhelming glory of the scene before us. Can I describe it as appeared to me that day? Never, until my lips can speak and your heart understand the language of the royal courts above. From our very feet sloped downward toward the shore of golden strand, many hundred feet wide, and extended on either hand far beyond the limits of our vision. This strand caught and radiated the morning light until wh wherever it was visible it glittered and glimmered like the dust of diamonds and other precious stones. And the waves as that came and went in ceaseless motion caught up the sparkling sand and carried it on their crests. Like the phosphorescence we sometimes see in the wake of a vessel in mid-ocean and the sea. It spread out before us in radiance that passes description in any language I have ever known. It was like the white glory that shone through the windows of the temple, and beneath this shining glory we caught the roll of the waves, the blue tint of the wet waters of that sea which had no limit to its depths or bounds. Upon its shining bosom we saw in every direction boats representing all nations, but in beauty of construction far surpassing anything earth had ever known. They were like great open pleasure barges, and were filled with people looking with eager faces toward the shore, many in their eagerness standing erect and gazing with wistful, expectant eyes onto the faces of those upon the shore. All the people upon the shore, numberless as the sand of the sea, they stood far as the eye could reach, far outstretched as the shore of that illimitable sea, a great mass of beautiful souls clad in the spotless garments of the redeemed. Many among them had golden harps and various instruments of music. Whenever a boat touched the shore and its inmates were welcomed by the glad voices and tender embraces of their beloved ones in the throng, the harps would be held aloft, all of the golden instruments would sound, and the vast multitude would break forth into triumphant song of victory over death and the grave. Do these people stand here always, I wonder, I said softly. Not the same people, said a radiant being near us, who had heard my question. But there is always a throng of people here, those who are expecting friends from the other life and those who assemble to share their joy. Some of the heavenly choristers also are always here, but not always the same ones. You will notice that most of those who arrive are led quietly away by their friends, and many others are constantly joining the multitude. He passed onward toward the shore and left us wrapped in awe and wonder.
We soon became deeply interested in watching the reunions and found ourselves joining with rapture in the glad songs of rejoicing. Now and then a face we remembered to have seen on earth would be among the eager faces in the boats. But none of that had been especially dear to us. Still, it made us notice more closely and sympathetic, more heartily to those who welcomed beloved friends. Now we would see a wife caught in the close embrace of a waiting husband. Now a little child with a glad cry would spring into the outstretched arms of happy mother, friend and class friend in glad reunion, and here an aged mother would be folded to the heart of a beloved child. As one boat of more than usual strength and beauty came riding gracefully over the waves, we observed the tall figure of a man standing near her prow with his arms about a graceful woman who stood by his side each shaded with uplifted hand from their dazzled eyes, and the unwanted splendor and, and scanned wistfully and searchingly. The faces of the crowd as the boat neared the shore. Suddenly, with a great thrill of joy surging through my being, I cried out, It is our precious son and his dear wife, and they have come together. In an instant we were swiftly moving through the throng that parted in ready sympathy and let us pass. And as the boat touched the shore, with a swift movement they were both beside us, the dear daughter already close clasped to the hearts of her own happy parents who were waiting near the water's edge. And while that same instant we felt the arms of our beloved son enfolding us, as soon thereafter we were all in each other's embrace, oh, what a rapturous moment was that, our home life in heaven complete, no partings forever, as we stood with encircled arms, scarcely realizing the unexpected bliss. The heavenly choir broke into song, and with uplifted faces radiant with joy eyes filled, with happy tears and voices trembling with emotion, we all joined in glad anthem. Glory be unto the Father and unto the Son. Glory be unto the ever-blessed three-in-one. No more sorrow, no more parting, no more grief, and no more pain. Christ has broken death's strong fetters. We are free again, heart to heart and hand to hand. Meet we on this golden strand. Glory, glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the ever-blessed three-in-one. Alleluia. Amen. The song arose and swelled triumphantly as the vast multitude caught us up, and the surge of the waves made a deep undertone to the melody that increased its solemnity and with bowed heads and full hearts we passed onward, hand in hand. And the light that fell upon us was purer, holier, more divine than it had ever been before. Chapter 18 A time came when one day as I stood in my lovely room that had really become to me a shrine, I looked up into the pictured face of the Christ above me. I fancied that the tender eyes looking down into mine no longer told of the deathless love alone, but carried into their depths a pity of a loving compassion which I had never noticed there before. Then I turned toward my couch, and I even fancied that his hands reached out from the canvas and rested in benediction on my head. I soon at moment in blessed peace before him, then as the hands seemed to be withdrawn, I turned and lay down for an instant's rest." But strange thoughts and fancies crept into my brain, such as I had not known in years. I felt confused and bewildered and started up restlessly from my pillow, only to fall back again in doubt and something akin to dread. What could it mean? 
Could the old unrest of earth find place in this divine retreat? Then I heard unfamiliar voices, sometimes said, Her color is better than it had been for several days, I think. Yes, there is no doubt, but she is better today. There is really hope for her now, I am sure. But she came very near passing through the gates. Very near passing through the gates, as though I had not passed through, and in returning left them so ajar that gleams of the heavenly radiance from beyond them will fall upon my life forever. I have been in my Father's house. We shall know each other there. So ends My Dream of Heaven by Rebecca Springer. This has been the final rendition of the book. I really enjoyed this book, and I'm glad I got to read it to you. It gave me a greater understanding of the heavenly life, the eternal life that we are going to go to. I really love the part about the waters. I do enjoy the water here on earth. It's one of my greatest pleasures is to swim and see the beautiful cerulean blue sea and the creatures in it. I love the animals that God made and all the things in the ocean and rivers. I do love that part because Rebecca expressed it so in detail about going under the water and being able to breathe and having it be the perfect temperature. And then I really enjoyed the part about the flowers because I do love earthly flowers and seeing that the flowers were in heaven and in the rooms and how they just threw the flowers onto the floor and it would just go into the floor and become a part of the floor and the beautiful things. And I enjoyed the uh, descriptions about the architecture of the homes, especially about the chalets, the polished woods and the inlaid woods. And I really love wood. And I love to see the grain of the wood that God created and the beautiful colors. Of course, I love the fact that there's the pets. And I do believe our pets go to heaven. I uh, have thought that for many years. And, and there's been many people that don't believe that. It's all right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I just believe that God can recreate their little souls in heaven, even though the pets, animals, don't have spirits as we do. I believe they can be recreated for us. Because in Revelations, it does talk about us riding back on horseback through the gates of the Eastern Gate in Jerusalem with Christ Jesus at his at the end times when we come back with him at the second coming. So there are little, as small as they are, there's little places in the Bible that do speak of animals. And I do believe God made the animals and said they were good. Now, I do believe that heaven has nothing ugly in it, nothing dark, nothing evil. I don't believe there's anything that eats decay. Whatever eats decay on earth, I don't believe that will be there in heaven, because on heaven, there is no decay. And the Bible does speak about the worm dieth not, but that is in hell. He speaks about how that, that Herod had died and the worms had eaten him and he had gone to hell. So I do believe it's some precedence to believe that all the evil, uh, nasty creatures eat decay, anything like that, are in hell and not in heaven. Although I do believe butterflies are in heaven and things like that because they are beautiful and they're good and they don't bite you and things like that. 
And any animal that bites you here on earth would not be evil in heaven. I mean, a, a tiger or a lion or anything like that that we'd be afraid of on earth. Of course, they're docile and beautiful in heaven, and there's no, there's nothing in them to eat other creatures and eat people. So we can pet them and hug them and everything. So there's just none of that up there. And I believe also that there is no evil and hatred, no sorrow, no pain, nothing like that in heaven. And whereas I did read this book, this My Dream of Heaven, and there were a few places and things that uh, Rebecca spoke about that I was going to relate, um, just my own opinion. This is my opinion about this. I really don't believe that our loved ones are able to bear any sorrow or feel any uh, animosity or any uh, pride or anything that is of an evil nature. I don't think they have those feelings in heaven. I don't think they're there. And I don't believe that, personally, that our loved ones can visit us here on earth. That's one thing I really don't see that in the Bible. Uh, I believe angels and ministering spirits come to minister those who are passing and those who are going on to be in heaven. And as far as people coming to heaven, I do believe that as an aspect, there are people who come into heaven and are not very educated about heavenly life. I do that. I do see that. And there's people that have, as a deathbed repentance and things, God has granted them mercy to come to heaven, and there's very little knowledge of anything. So I do believe there is a education process, as was dictated in the book, and of learning more about heaven as you get more into the uh, deeper things of heaven. There are rewards in heaven, I do believe that also, and certain people have different duties that they do in heaven. I definitely believe we will not be just sitting up in heaven playing harps. <laughs> I believe we will have things to do. But as Rebecca said so beautifully, I believe that they will be done effortlessly, and we won't need a lot of tools to do them. We will have heavenly things, although I don't really know what they're going to be to do our work. I do believe we can envision and have all the things we desired in life that were godly, like I've always wanted to paint and be a beautiful painter, and I just didn't feel like I ever accomplished that on earth. And I believe I'll be able to do that in heaven and such things. And I've, I've, always, I've always wanted to do masonry in the sense of making beautiful fountains and um, waterfalls and natural rock faces with water coming down and pathways. I've always wanted to do that, and I've never physically been able to do that kind of work. So I believe in heaven we'll be able to do a lot of things and learn all kinds of things that we've never known how to do. And our minds will be very smart. We'll be able to know and do everything up in heaven that we haven't been able to do here on earth because heaven will complete us. Of anything else I've seen in the book, there isn't that much that I, uh, in my opinion, uh, was a little different than what I uh, believe is true. But I still felt that the revealing of the book and the reading of the book was was good and that people will get a good insight into the blessedness of heaven and things up there in heaven that are wonderful. I can't wait to go there. I love the reunions. I know I'll be reunited with my sisters, 
my mother, my father. I'm so grateful for that. I know that they were saved when they passed on. And I'm, I'm just eternally grateful that I will meet them in a beautiful reunion in heaven. I also want to say that I do not believe that there is marriage in heaven. Uh, we are all the same under the Father with each other. I don't believe there will be children in heaven. I think that's for a life here on earth, for reproduction here on earth that God made earth for. And I believe that in heaven it won't be needed. And I believe that we will love each other with a pure agape love, and there will be no eros or sexual love in heaven. But I'm not concerned about that. Heaven is a wonderful place. I know it'll be far greater the love that we feel for one another as friends. I believe we will know our brothers and sisters, father and mother, in some way. But it won't be, like I said, it won't be any kind of a sexual love or anything like that. So, praise God. Thank you for listening to me today. It was a beautiful series that we did on My Dream of Heaven, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will listen to the whole series. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to me today. We love you. I pray that you would support this ministry at Luke 418 Radio and Luke 418 Church. Just go to www.luke. 418church.org or go to luke418radio.com and you can get on our website and we have a page for donation. You can donate either internationally or here in the United States. Thank you and God bless you. Goodbye.